I would pass a, a homeless person on the street and I would think, why is this happening? You know, we, we have so much food, but we mm. still have so many people who are hungry. And it just, it didn't make sense to me. And I didn't know at the time what I was going to do with this, this newfound, uh, I don't know, passion for, you know, all these questions I had about food. Hello and welcome to Detroit from Across the Pond with Andrew Lewis-Smith. This is a podcast which looks at Detroit, its people and initiatives and projects which are making a difference to the city and its communities. Every week I'll be asking a new interviewee about Detroit, the projects that they are involved in and what it is that they love about Detroit and the people who live there. I'm your host, Andrew Lewis-Smith. Hello and welcome to this first show of Detroit from Across the Pond. Before we get into today's show, I want to say that some of the episodes in this series were recorded prior to the COVID-19 pandemic and the enormous impact that it had on Detroit. And all of the shows were recorded before the horrific and brutal murder of George Floyd. Future episodes will then reflect both the impact of the pandemic and the murder of George Floyd and the protests in reaction to it. So, I'm pleased to launch this series with a conversation with Dara Collins from Food Rescue Detroit. Dara is a remarkable woman, full of energy, creativity and great organisational and people skills. Coming from a wholly different professional background, she has developed Food Rescue Detroit into a dynamic project, saving a variety of food, then distributing it to a range of community organisations in Detroit, which are then able to get the food directly to the people who need it. So. Without further ado, welcome, Dara. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. So, Dara, it'd be really useful for the um, audience just to know a little bit about. I mentioned Food Rescue Detroit, and I guess that's you know what the, the centre of the conversation today. But could you say a little bit about uh, what it is and what its aim is? Well, Food Rescue U.S. is it's a national nonprofit organization here in the United States um, dedicated to food recovery. And what's special about it is it's app-based. So um, we use a proprietary technology um, that connects basically the three pillars of uh, our operation, which are the food donors, uh, the volunteer food rescuers, and the social service agencies that we deliver food to. And we're all connected on the app. Uh, that allows us to also be paperless because we use an app. Mm-hmm. Um, because for me, it's, it's, it's just as important to, to take care of our environment as it is to feed our community. And so um, I, I just, uh, that really resonate, resonated with me about Food Rescue US. And that's really why I wanted to bring a chapter here to Detroit 10 months ago. And uh, can I just check then? So, are you, are you f- someone who's from Detroit, or are you someone who was doing this elsewhere and then and so moved? And I am not from Detroit. We moved here uh, three years ago, and at the time we were living in St. Louis. So we were in St. Louis for about five years. Uh, mm-hmm. Florida, though, is 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 really home for me. Um, and uh, so, no, Detroit is is a is a new home of mine. And uh, and I was not doing food rescue. Prior to to coming to Detroit, actually, I was not in the nonprofit world at all um, up until ten months ago. So um, a lot of new, a lot of new for me. But I'm I'm enjoying the the process. I'm enjoying everything that I'm learning, and also how it's connecting me more to Detroit and the community. So, and I was just thinking, anyone who's listening to this would. Um, so, for instance, I asked you about you know whether you were a native Detroiter. Anyone who's from Detroit probably would know by your accent that one certainly that you're not from Detroit. I guess <laughs> so whether or not they would would they know where you were from in the states? Would they know um, it was Florida? I, I, you know, I don't know. Sometimes you know, I I was born in Alabama, but I didn't live there very long. But and I don't really consider Florida. I mean, it is in the South, but people, I don't consider that being when, when you say you're from the South or by your accent, you think of Florida. Um, mm. But I do have people a lot of times tell me that they can hear that in my voice. And I, I don't know. I'm not sure. But I've heard that a lot that people, you know, oh, you must be from the South. So maybe there is, maybe there is something to that. <laughs> 
Okay, we'll have to get some speech specialists to work on that one. That's yes. beyond me. Yes. But so I'm curious. it sounds like lots of change. <laughs> yeah, it'd be. I think it'd be really good because I've got. I'm from uh, originally from Yorkshire in the north of England, but I live in the south, so my Yorkshire accents probably softened quite a lot. But uh, so it sounds like lots of changes for you, maybe in terms of uh, the work that you did moving from. Uh, well, certainly, sounds like a, a traditional profit sector whatever the term would be i'm not an economist <laughs> to the not not for profit i think that's what it's called but also mm-hmm. in terms of where you've lived and moved so so what was it that um set you on your journey from st louis to or st louis is it to louis, uh, uh-huh. detroit st louis yes st. Louis. <laughs> or st louis we like that too um <laughs> There's, that's charming. Um, so, well, what, you know, we were living in St. Louis for five years and my partner is in the hospitality industry. So mm-hmm. he um, runs uh, hotels and restaurants and, um, and I, my background is actually in, I, I was, I went to culinary school. I was trained as a pastry chef about 20 years ago. Um, oh, wow. I, I, it's crazy. Right. Um, but then I transitioned the creativity of, of, the pastry world into visual merchandising and styling. And so I I kind of stayed along that creative path and that's what I was doing up until we moved here to Detroit. Um, But how I got involved with food rescue is um, while we were living in St. Louis, um, you know, my partner, like I said, was, um, was overseeing a large hotel and I happened to be there one day when it was after they were doing a large banquet. And I saw all these trays of food and I happened to say to him, I said, you know, what do you do with all this food? And, you know, he said, well, you know, we have to, we have to throw it away. And I, I just, that was the moment that, that stuck with me because I thought, wow, you know, and and I was then sort of multiplying that out exponentially. Like if this is happening here at one hotel, what is happening everywhere else? You know, it's, it's like suddenly when there's something you haven't really thought about and then there's one event that sort of is the catalyst and then you start thinking of it everywhere, you know, and, and, you know, certainly on my way home, I would pass a a homeless person on the street and I would think, why is this happening? You know, we, we have so much food, but we Mm -hmm. still have so many people who are hungry and it just, it didn't make sense to me. And I didn't know at the time what I was going to do with this, this newfound, uh, I don't know, passion for, you know, all these questions I had about food and why people were hungry and food insecurity. Um, and so it was while we were in the process of moving from St. Louis to Detroit, I, uh, I was taking a flight back and forth. I don't remember which way I was going, but I was reading a magazine of mine called Modern Farmer, of all things. Um, you know, I, I typically have lived in, in urban environments, but I must have a, a desire to, um, to dig in the dirt. Uh, so I was reading a magazine called Modern Farmer on the plane, and it was talking about um, apps that you could download onto your phone um, and volunteer that were uh, related to food rescuing food and food waste. And uh, Food Rescue US was one of the four apps that was mentioned. And when I read the description of it, I thought, wow, this is this is perfect because you know I was seeing this from both sides, you know, talking to my my partner and sort of hearing about you know, food waste from their perspective as a business um, and how really their their challenges are, you know, well, where do we take the food and and who do Mm. we get? uh, Do we have to take it somewhere? Do I have to pay someone to take it? Do I need to have insurance uh, and a vehicle for them now to transport the food somewhere? Um, So there's so many questions I think that were just never being answered, you know, on the side of potential food donors, like a hotel or a restaurant. Mm. And, and frankly, you know, we've just been, we've been programmed to throw away, to waste. I mean, it's, it's, it's what we do, you know, and Mm. only now are we starting to really, I think, gain momentum, um, in doing something different with that and, and not sending food to the landfill. And, and, and that is, that's a really great thing to see, but, you know, I, I was seeing this from both sides because then I could also understand the challenges that any social service agency Mm. 
is struggling with it. And for them, it's the same thing. It's like, well, where do we go to get the food? And do we need to go pick it up and bring it here? And, but we don't have enough people. We don't have enough money or resources to make that happen. Mm. So I could see the challenges. And then when I was reading about Food Rescue US, I thought, wow, this is addressing those because you're using using this app technology and you are going and finding uh, these food donors or they can find you, but they sign up on the app and then you go and pick up the food for them. They don't have to take it anywhere. They don't have to figure out where it goes. And then we deliver it to the agencies. So we figure out where the food goes. And mm. same with the, the social service agencies that we serve. You know, they don't have to pick it up unless they unless they want to. And that's how they're, it works better for them. But we do all that work for them. And, and, and I thought, this is brilliant. And so my initial thought was, when I get to Detroit, we get settled there, I will sign up on this app as a volunteer, because I won't know anybody in Detroit, I'll be moving to a new place. And this will be a great way to start meeting people in the community. So I get here and I do that. And I get a message saying, we don't operate in Detroit yet. And so I thought, well, <laughs> there goes that great, great idea. And, uh, and so, um, and so then no sooner, uh, do I have that thought, then they send me an email saying, are you interested in bringing something to Detroit? And, you know, I thought about it for a second and I, and I said, yes, you know, and so I, I told him, I said, yes, I'm interested because, you know, we moved to Detroit because my partner was opening a, a new hotel and a restaurant mm -hmm. here and we were meeting people in uh, the hospitality industry, other restaurants and, and other hotel um, operators. And I thought, this is a great way to just immediately start connecting with these people mm -hmm. and, um, taking their excess food and getting it, you know, where it needs to go in Detroit. So, um, so I said, yes, I said, I'm interested. It took me about a year to, <laughs> to get going with it, which it, I will tell you, it doesn't take a year to get started. Uh, it just took me a year, uh, because things got really busy, um, for both of us with mm. him opening the hotel and the restaurant. And, and we were meeting so many people in the community and, and I was really, hard on myself in that time because that's why, mm. why is it taking me so long to, to get started with food rescue us here in Detroit? Why is this taking me so long? And, and then I realized, I thought, you know, this is, there's a reason for this because I have just met all of these people. I have met so many more Detroiters. I've met people with different organizations. I've connected with so many more people that are going to make this mm -hmm. more beneficial for me when I get started with food rescue. Yes. So I realized, you know, I, I gave myself a break and I said, you know what, this is happening the way it's happening for a reason. And so, um, so of course I talked to my partner and I said, you know, how would you guys feel about being the first food donor? Because that's all I need. I need one food donor and I can get this yeah. app turned on here in Detroit. We can get started. So they, um, they agreed to be, you know, the first food donor and I found a receiving agency uh, to deliver the food to. That's all I needed to get started was just one. And, um, and we were off to the races. So that's, that was 10 months ago. Wow. I know that was 10 months ago and it's, it's hard, it's hard to believe, but in that time so, we've, we've, we've rescued almost about a hundred thousand pounds of food, uh, in Detroit amazing. that would have otherwise ended up in the landfill. So wow. yeah, and, that, and that's, and that's progress. just what you you saved in Detroit, and there's probably lots of other food that you didn't manage to save. And then you translate or expand that across all the cities in the States and the UK and France. That's incredible. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely amazing. Well, wow, that's fantastic. Well, it really shows you that that we have enough food to feed our communities. Mm, we yeah. do. And that's and that's something that I've said from the beginning. Um, that Detroit, when I talk about Detroit feeding Detroit, you know, I think any community can feed itself, can feed its people. Um, I think we just need to feel empowered. You know, we, we need to feel mm. empowered that we can do it. We don't have to wait for some, you know, big solution or answer to, you know, to fall from the sky. It's, it's already here. We have the food. Every place I think has the food. We just need to, um, get it to the right places, you know, and, and I think that's been our challenge. And, and I think being able to, this, uh, I would say a hundred, almost a hundred thousand pounds of food that we've rescued translates, you know, close to almost, you know, 80 or 90,000 meals that we wow. served. And I mean, and that's just with a limited number of donors. Cause I said, you know, we've only been doing this for 10 months, so we're still new. And um, that's phenomenal. So it shows you, 
you know, what can be done. It's just those you, you know, where we have, you know, how much further we have to go, but we're making progress. That, I have to say that. I mean, it's heartwarming to hear stories like that, particularly, you know, the, the current crisis. If someone, if someone had said to you five years ago, hey, guess what you'll be doing in Detroit in five years' time, would you have believed them? No. No, I, I don't think I would. I, I probably thought I would, would certainly be, you know, uh, still on the creative um, path that I was that I was on, you know, previously. I, I don't think I would have believed that I would, would be doing something in the in the nonprofit world. Yeah, because it's a big, you know, I guess the environment you'd be working in as well. I'm sure you see. I'm sure it can be quite challenging at times as well, especially when you're sort of delivering food and see some maybe potentially quite upsetting sites or difficult sites, but. And for lots of people would think about doing things like that, but not not that many people would make that transition. What what do you think swung it for you? I mean, it <laughs> took time, clearly, and you thought about it and reflected, and there's some changes. Well, I just I I you know I think about that often. You know what what was that? And I and maybe it was that I saw an opportunity to to take my creativity, which I was using in a, in a, in a way that we typically think of as quote unquote creative. And I was, and I was using that creativity in a different way. And, and I think that was really what it amounted to was, was I can still be creative in food rescue. You know, I can still be creative. Uh, it's just thinking about creativity in a different way. And I think also I felt um, with the work that I had been doing that maybe it wasn't as fulfilling, you know, that, mm. that I wasn't doing anything that was making an impact in any way. At least that's how I felt about it. You know, I was yeah. seeing it maybe from uh, that perspective where I was like, is this really making a difference? And I feel like right now more than anything, you know, we need to find a way to do things that contribute, um, to our communities, you know, mm. and, and aren't taking away from them. And I think that's oftentimes we don't realize that we're part of things that, that sort of destroy community instead of build it up. And I think maybe that was, that was that moment when I realized, you know, I could do something that is, is going to make a difference in Detroit. And that, yeah. that was really appealing to me. Which, and because one of the things that we were talking about beforehand, before we hit the record button, was that we were talking about a mutual interest in Detroit. The one being, one thing being, I have never actually been to Detroit, which maybe is even weirder. But um, <laughs> one of the things that I know, we were both talking about the fact that we were collecting, you know, little articles. And I was bookmarking things on, on my Mac and stuff about Detroit, also, and certain actively searching things out. But one of the things that the danger is that when you talk about Detroit, you, what you see is all this amazing development downtown and it's glitchy, glitzy and everything. And yet it's a city like cities here in the UK and other cities in the States. I'm not saying it's unique in that sense, but you know, it's got a large, there's a lot of poverty. I think it's, isn't it officially um, the States is most stressed city. It's got the highest divorce rate, I think in the States. Absolutely. So, you know, there's the, there's the, and it's not to undermine the wonderful things that are going on downtown, but there's that other side to it. Could you take, I'd be interested to know because on a typical day for you, Obviously, you might come into contact with some very, I don't know, swish organization or conference or something where you might, well, certainly maybe not at the moment, you get things. And then you take it elsewhere. Could you just describe what, if there is a typical day for you and, and what that involves in terms of your people skills and organizational skills and things? Well, you know, there there isn't really a typical day. And, as, you know, especially now, I feel like there isn't a typical day. I don't know exactly <laughs> yeah. what I'm going to, I don't know exactly <laughs> what I'm going to get into. Um, but, you know, it, it is, um, yes, there is certainly that, like you say, when maybe I go and pick up um, a food donation from um, a, a nice restaurant and, and then I deliver it to a social service agency um, and, you know, there, it is, you do see the, the huge divide there. Um, and I think that, and like you say, it's, it is really great that, um, you know, downtown Detroit has, um, this, um, revitalization that's happening. Mm -hmm. Um, because I think you, 
you need that. I think there mm-hmm. there is a lot of controversy about that, and I and I certainly get that. Uh, but I think you need to have a solid mm-hmm. base in a city. You know, something to build on, something that's going to bring people to Detroit. Mm-hmm. That's going to um, because once you get people to Detroit, they might come here because you know, for one reason, you know, whatever that reason is, but then you get them here and they start talking to Detroiters Mm -hmm. and they might find something here that they didn't realize they were coming here for, you know, and I think that's the beauty of Detroit. And so I believe that every, um, you know, every city needs to have a a strong center. And so I do think Mm -hmm. it's a positive that we have this, this downtown area that's, that is, um, thriving or has been, you know, up until, you know, about a month ago. Um, but with, you know, with that said, I think that's where the, a little bit of the, the controversy is because people out in the neighborhoods want to see some of that effort and energy that's being put into downtown Detroit, put into these neighborhoods. And, um, and that's happening slowly. And so I, I think that I agree with them. It needs to happen. We need to build up these strong neighborhoods um, in order to make a difference um, overall to the city of Detroit, because there is, as you said, a high poverty level. Um, you know, Detroit is one of the poorest cities in the country. Um, and Wayne County, which is, which is uh, the county that Detroit is, is in, mm-hmm. is the most food insecure county in the state of Michigan. So uh, certainly there Can, are so- a lot of needs. Can you and could just to help us understand when you say food insecurity, that's a sort of particular term. What what do you mean by that? Food insecurity means that someone is struggling to have enough consistent um, access to healthy food. Mm, to okay. you know, I, they may get food sometimes. They may have food mm. on certain certain days or certain weeks, but maybe other times they're not getting enough food that to, to be sustainable. So I think that that really encompasses what food insecurity is because I think people automatically assume that food insecurity is just, um, homeless people that maybe don't have Mm -hmm. access to really any food. Um, but it's not, it could be someone in a, in a home, but again, maybe they don't have enough to buy groceries for that entire month because they need to spend that money, um, paying their rent or keeping their utilities on. So they would be considered food insecure. Mm, and, and I like to change, you know, I like to rather, I'd like to, um, to point that out to people, because I think when I tell people that I'm part of food rescue us, they, they, a lot of people say, Oh, so you feed the homeless. And I say, of course, absolutely. But we do feed many people. And I would say probably we feed more people that actually live in a home. Um, than we than we do people that just live you know out on the street and so I think that people need to understand um, what food insecurity is and what mm-hmm. that really looks like you know because it could be someone that you work you know maybe you work next to on a daily basis and maybe you don't realize that you know they might not have enough um, food to get by mm-hmm. and so I think it's important to to have that conversation with everyone and sort of um, let people let that sit with people a little bit so that they yeah. kind of understand what it looks like in our country. Yeah. Cause you and I, we both live in incredibly wealthy countries, you know, in the history of the world, Absolutely. you know, in terms of the luxuries we have. And, and I was stunned to hear that in Britain, especially the role that they're playing now, but there are nurses in Britain who use food banks, you know, if they're single parent families because the wage isn't that great. And then, you know, all the bills and overhead. So that, I mean, that was sort of shocking to me. You must see some pretty tough sights as well. Absolutely. I mean, that must break your heart at times as well. Absolutely. It does, you know, and, and because, because so many of them involve children. I mean, I think that's one of the most heartbreaking things, um, you know, to know that um, our kids, you know, there's many of them that aren't getting enough food to eat and they may not have access to, I mean, especially right now, you know, I think about with during this, um, during this pandemic, when the schools are closed and, and many children are um, having to learn from home, I mean that's one of the issues that we face here in Detroit. Is many of these these kids don't have access to the internet. So then, when you think about you know you ho- you're hoping that their school is still reaching them, um, 
but they're having to send them physical homework versus, you know, learning online, like so many other Mm -hmm. students um, have the ability to do. And so I feel, so I do, I worry about that because, you know, how do we, how do we plan to have a a strong country? How do we plan for the future mm-hmm. if we're not putting our resources into our children and to feeding and educating our kids? And so certainly that is a heartbreak that I see um, often is is that it um, affects so many children here in Michigan. Mm-hmm. I was I listened one of the podcast US podcasts I listened to is one by Dr. Mark Hyman called The Doctor's Pharmacy. Yes. And he has some very good uh, I've heard some very good speakers talk about um, especially in minority minority ethnic areas that are very deprived often have food deserts and talks movingly in Cleveland about uh, you know a mother having to get three buses just to get some decent vegetables and I think he had someone speaking for I think she was head of public health in New York prior to I mean this is all pre-COVID, by the way. And she was talking about how it's really difficult to try and get decent vegetables, you know, to even if you want them, which, and you were going back earlier on, you were talking about that magazine you were reading, the, uh, was it the Modern, modern Farmer? Modern Farmer. Yeah. Yeah, you look like you could be a modern farmer. I can see it. I can see it now <laughs> on your tractor. But um, Thank you. One, of, one of the things is, I mean, you've moved to Detroit. It's got about, I think about 1,300 urban farms. What a yeah. fantastic marriage of the two. Exactly, of the, right? I mean, that could be in my future. Sure. I mean, I, I do believe that, but I, I, that is something that we need in Detroit more mm. than ever, because like you say, the story of the woman having to k- catch three buses, um, that is, that is very common in Detroit. Mm. And, yeah. you know, and that's why, um, you know, some of the organizations that, um, that we deliver food to, one of them is Antinae's village. And I, you know, I really, I have a, that this one really, pulls me in. Um, I will admit that because I go there probably three times a week on average, taking them food. Um, but the reason is, is because what they're doing is, is what I think needs to happen in more neighborhoods in Detroit. I wish every neighborhood in Detroit had something like Auntie Nays village. And this is, this is a woman that has grown up in this area. And, um, and it's, these are like little houses. When you pull up there, it looks just like a little street. Um, and it's, these are old houses that Mm -hmm. they are, um, turning into this little village. So like they've got one that's a tutoring house for the children in this neighborhood. They're, they're working on a medical house for um, people in the neighborhood. Uh, they're homeless or otherwise. There's also a nutrition house. Mm-hmm. There's a clothing house. So they're building their, their little village. That, yes. And they, they're going to have a, a garden there and they have um, a safe play area for the kids. They have all these little bicycles, you know, lined up and that is, you know, that's what I call like these little heart centers. This is a heart center of this neighborhood. And I wish that every neighborhood in Detroit had something like this. Um, mm. Because when you look around this, this Antinese village, there's, it's again, it's a food desert. I mean, you're going to see maybe a fast food restaurant, um, a, a gas station, mm. um, a liquor store, and that's it. You're not going to see a lot of fresh, healthy food anywhere that's accessible. And so that's one of the things that I try to help them with is, is when I go there three times a week, at least is, is taking them fresh, healthy food, um, and getting it out into these neighborhoods. Mm -hmm. And, and so that's one of, I mean, that's one of the things that really inspires me about food rescue is getting food to organizations like this one. Um, because I think that's, that's what needs to happen more in Detroit in order to get, um, to change anything, you know, mm-hmm. to, we need to expose children to vegetables and to healthy eating and sort of create those sort of lifetime um, patterns for them to appreciate how important their health is. Because you've probably been seeing that Detroit is, is being hit very hard right now mm-hmm. about, by this yeah, pandemic. And it's, and it's targeting our black and brown populations um, that are low income um, because this, this is why, because many of these, these people don't have access to healthy food. So the, not having access to healthy food is creating a lot of underlying health conditions, mm-hmm. diabetes, you know, hypertension. And that is what this virus is targeting. It's targeting mm-hmm. people with these underlying conditions. And unfortunately, those are most of our um, black and brown um, communities and neighborhoods in Detroit, because Detroit is a, is a majority black 
city. Mm. And, um, and so this is devastating. This is really devastating in Detroit because it's really impacting, um, just the, the fabric and the foundation, you know, of this, of this community. So that's another reason why I think it's even more important to focus on getting healthy quality food out into these neighborhoods because we want to change this. We don't want, um, a virus to come through our city mm-hmm. and be able to, you know, take out our neighborhoods, you know, just because people don't have access to healthy food and we want people to be healthy and, um, and thrive. And so that's, that's, it gives me a renewed, um, sense of purpose right now, mm-hmm. you know, to even more so to get, to get healthy quality food out into Detroit. Which is just, I mean, it's fantastic. But as well, it, it feels a bit like a, a perfect storm as well, because one of the differences, I may be very wrong, but I've not heard of the, that here here in the UK, was I was stunned, and I'm sure it's not just focused on Detroit, I was stunned to know that people get their water cut off. Yes. Um, Isn't and, that terrible? I, and uh... <laughs> from, a, from a strategic public health point of view, as well as a human, but even if you ignored the human compassion side of things, but just from a strategic public health point of view, that seems like utter madness. It is. And it's, it, you know, it's not, it, it's really, as you say, it's, um, it's scandalous. That's exactly what you said. And I, and I liked that, that you use that word because that is exactly the reality of it. And you know, that, you know, Flint, Michigan is not very far from Detroit. Mm. And you know what happened in Flint um, a few years ago, and that is still happening. People mm. in Flint still don't have access to um, really? healthy drinking water. No, there's still people mm. lining up and picking up bottled water every single week in Flint. Wow. And that's the wow. story that most people don't hear. And and then for Detroit to, to turn off water uh, to any home, because, you know, someone isn't able to to pay their bill. It, it is. It's a matter of public health. And I think that we that is something that we absolutely have to change. We have to every home needs to have um, running water. And mm. because right now it's it's evident that that, you know, that is it's critical. And I, I think it's mm. really it, it's a really shameful thing that we do that here Um particularly in Detroit, but any place that it might be happening in the United States, it, it really shouldn't happen. So, and so the, you're negotiating all of that, the sort of tough things, which often intersect across social policy as well, which, you know, much bigger in some ways, but then you presumably using your skills that you developed over the years in your, your professional life, um, you then, uh, how do you get food from donors? Is it always that they contact on the app or do you approach people or I guess it's word of mouth or is it a bit of mix of things? It is a mix of things. It's all of yeah. the above. Um, they might hear about us and they sign up, you know, on our app to be a food donor. Mm-hmm. Um, or I, you know, I reach out, it's, I reach out to a lot of places um, and I'm just sort of making my way around to them slowly, but surely. Um, and it's a word of mouth has been, you know, is, is huge for us as well as social media. Um, we use our Facebook and Instagram pages to, um, to show what we're doing here in Detroit mm-hmm. and to, um, tell the stories of our food donors as well as our social service agencies that we serve because I believe we all have a choice in where we where we spend our money you know what restaurant we go to what grocery store we shop at or um, and I think if you knew that that restaurant or, or you know mm-hmm. grocery or catering company um, or even an office because a lot of offices provide a catered lunch for their employees on a consistent basis and often they have excess so they could also be a food donor to us and and that that has happened we actually have um, some food donors that are um, you know just office businesses or not typical food yeah. businesses yeah. and um, and so you know that that's made um, a huge impact by reaching out to that's where the creativity I'll go back to that. The creativity comes in because it, it's, it's thinking, wait a minute, I could just say it's just every restaurant or grocery store, but it's not when you realize that it could be, a, um, you know, an office building that might cater, you know, that's, it's using your creativity to figure out where is the food, where is the food okay, that's being yeah, wasted. Yeah. And so, um, so that's sort of what we've, um, that I focused on, but that's how they can find us. Um, it's either social media, um, it's on our website, um, but we do a lot of just sharing, you know, telling stories and, um, you know, sharing about not only the donors, but the receiving agencies, because mm. I think 
right now people have an opportunity to donate because so many people are needing funds. And often we give to the same big names, you know, the, the names we've heard of and, um, which is great. It's not, I'm not saying that they don't need funding. Um, but I want people to, I want to encourage people to start getting curious about what's happening really close to them and start, you know, pick a subject that is meaningful to you, whether it's food insecurity or, 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 um, you know, uh, children, educating children, whatever it is, and start, you know, doing a Google search, get on Facebook, find some groups mm. and figure out who are the little guys in your community that are doing the big work because they're out there. And that's, and so that's why I like to share on our social media, the stories, you know, of our agencies, because, they are the little guys that are out there doing the big work that's making a huge impact. And so I, I encourage people to right now, especially if you have an opportunity to donate, find one of those mm -hmm. agencies, because I'm telling you now more than ever, you know, they need that support. One of the things that comes across in the way you talk is there's, um, there is a lot of goodness, you know, a lot of good people in Detroit doing, doing their bits and, and probably even more now. And I was watching a, uh, a bit of a show. I haven't seen it all on local four um, news, Channel Four news, is it maybe? Mm -hmm. And um, called the Spirit of Detroit, which is about lots of different um, amazing initiatives. And you and I were talking before we started recording just about what what attracted us to Detroit. And uh, and for me, there was something about the city. I, I'm interested in gardening, so that the urban farm movement interested me. But there was something about the dynamic of the people. I guess there's also all the other things, the music, the amazing architecture, all those sorts of things. What was it that attracted you particularly to Detroit? Obviously, there was some practical things in terms of your partner moving and things and jobs. And, but what was it that energized you about the city? And what, what do you see? What has been, I guess lived in what you're experiencing? I think, um, you know, the story is in 2015, I came to Detroit. Mm -hmm. Um, I was, we were living in St. Louis and I had recently lost my father and, um, and I had been working at a job in Detroit or I'm sorry, in St. Louis that, you know, just, it became, um, it was a toxic environment. I said, I, I, everything sort of in my world was, upended, you know, um, this, this job that I loved, you know, turned upside down. And of course, losing my father was devastating to me. And so, um, I had previous to that been, um, you know, dog earring pages and magazines that I would, that I would get. I love travel. I love uh, cooking, um, uh, urban farming. Um, and so I, I would dog ear pages about Detroit. And I think I had started to, um, I had started to realize that I was, that I was uh, maybe subconsciously choosing, you know, and dog these pages about Detroit and before I realized it. And, and so I remember telling, I remember telling my partner, you know, I think we should take, I think we should take a trip to Detroit for the weekend <laughs> uh, because I've been, you know, marking all these places that, you know, we should go to. And I remember him, you know, looking at me a little quizzically and, uh, but he was like, okay, you know, <laughs> and, you know, I couldn't explain it because I, I, you know, saying it out loud, you know, I was like, well, that does maybe that does sound a little odd. Um, but, you know, after these things happened with my father passing away, I, I think I just I said to him one day, you know, he was working in St. Louis still, but I said, you know, I think I'm going to take a trip to Detroit. <laughs> I think I'm just going to drive there. I'm going to stay in an Airbnb and, you know, I've, I've got my magazines here that I'm going to just going to go visit these places that, that I, that I've been curious about. And two days later I did it. I, I drove to Detroit. I, I stayed in an Airbnb um, in a neighborhood called Virginia park. Um, and then I, I started going to all the places on the list. Um, you know, there was a, a DIA, um, which is our, uh, we have an incredible art museum, uh, many actually, uh, but one of them was the Detroit Institute of Art. It's, it's unbelievable. Um, you would never expect it to be in Detroit, but this is a world-class museum. It's incredible. And they were having a, um, Frida Kahlo and Diego Rivera exhibit. And I, I love both of those artists. And when I, mm. that, I think that was really what spurred me to just jump in the car and come to Detroit at that moment, because I didn't want to miss that exhibit. And, and I figured that 
gave you as good of excuse as any. And so um, I jumped in the car and I came to Detroit and I visited, you know, all these little small businesses and I stumbled upon, you know, new little restaurants. And, and I just, it was hard to explain it to someone that, ha- that hadn't come to Detroit with me on that trip because I knew it probably sounded crazy, but I was fascinated. I was fascinated with the architecture. There's so much history in Detroit, the buildings, um, are incredible. And I just, and, and then, but to see all this amazing architecture and then also to drive down street after street of blight of, of, of homes that were just, um, abandoned. It, mm. it was like, it was, it was indescribable. And, um, but my, my fascination was there. It was, it was rooted in that moment of coming to Detroit. And I remember, you know, going back to St. Louis and, you know, telling my partner about it and, you know, telling him how it was, I, I could hear it. I mean, I was hearing me tell him out loud, you know, how I felt about Detroit. I thought, oh, this does sound weird. Um, and, and maybe hard for someone to understand. And, um, but my fascination was there. That was 2015. Well, mm-hmm. fast forward, um, two years to 2017 and, you know, he was looking for a new opportunity, um, and so he was putting feelers out and a headhunter contacted him about an opportunity in Detroit. Hmm. And I remember him coming home That's from work and saying, "Amazing." Yeah, I remember him coming home and saying, you know, a headhunter reached out to me today about a new boutique hotel. They're opening in Detroit. I remember exactly where I was in that moment. I was sitting at my desk and I remember just turning around in my chair and I said, you should apply for that. You should send him your, send him <laughs> your information. And yeah. And so he did. Um, but what, what, it was even more interesting because he did, he sent his, uh, his resume and his, his cover letter to this headhunter. And, uh, that night, well, by the next morning, the headhunter said to him, Oh, I'm sorry, but you know, that Detroit opportunity is off the table. They've just hired someone. And, and then he said, well, but they do have a property opening in Kansas City in, in the future. Are you interested in that? And so he said, yes, you know, I, I'm interested in, you know, in talking about that. Well, so they called him a few days later and said, well, they wanted to interview him for the opportunity in Kansas City. So he's getting on the phone with him, thinking he's talking to them about Kansas City. This was just a few days after they said they had hired someone already mm. for the Detroit opportunity. So he's on the phone with them, talking to them, having a conversation. And suddenly they said, well, you know, um, Detroit is back on the table. Are you still interested in, in Detroit? And, and he said, yes. And so that weekend they flew him to Chicago and, uh, and interviewed him. And, um, you know, he came home that night and they said, you know, how, how soon can you be here? And, uh, the, the, the company is based in Chicago. So actually he, this this is what makes the story even more, I think, incredible is that he interviewed in Chicago because that's where the company is based. He didn't even go to Detroit. He didn't even set foot in the city. He hadn't been to Detroit in probably, you know, 15 years. And, um, and he'd never seen the property, never seen the hotel that they were, that they were opening. And so, Amazing. um, yeah, so he came home that night and, and, um, and he'd also received an, an offer from another company for a job in Colorado Springs. And, um, they were both very different opportunities. Um, and I told him, I said, you know, this decision ultimately is yours, but I think it should be Detroit. And, um, and so he told them he accepted the job, but he said, you know, I can't, I, I still have to give two weeks to my current employer. They've been wonderful to me. Um, and, but the, the Friday night of that second week was his last day in Detroit and Saturday morning we were in a car driving to Detroit. Um, I'm sorry. And say that was his last day working in St. Louis. If I didn't say that right. And then we got in the car and drove to Detroit the next morning and he started working in Detroit on Monday. Wow. Having wow. never seen the property, haven't having Amazing. not been to Detroit in fifteen plus years, and he started working and at that hotel, and I just I can't believe it. Even when I tell that story to this day, because I think 
there was no way I would have ever thought when I came here by myself in 2015 that we would be moving to Detroit. I would have never um, thought, you know, how could that have even happened? And so it's actually quite, um, you know, quite, um, quite a story that, that brought us here. Yeah. So you, I guess you must have a, a- pretty strong belief in fate that there was something about that it was just weighted and it was almost going to happen yeah yeah I mean it was it was was pretty incredible but absolutely that's that's what got us here I mean we took a huge uh leap of faith on Detroit because really neither one of us um we didn't know anybody here in Detroit and um we really hadn't spent any time here um other than me coming in 2015 and so um other than just some curiosity and um fascination you know with Detroit it was it was a huge it was a huge leap of faith and so but we have many um uh relationships that have been built in the in the almost three years that we've been here and and um a lot of experiences and and we've seen a lot and it's been pretty incredible but now to be able to um be part of um this food rescue operation and and really connecting with our communities is is has been really um incredibly impactful for me and for him, because he actually helps me um, a lot with food rescue. He goes oh, does out he? And, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. He he's on a video. I saw him on a video recently. So, yes. So. Yes. He's my he's my number one volunteer. <laughs> <laughs> so, so when so your experience of going to Detroit, what is it that you um, what is it that you um, found out about the people in Detroit? What is it about the community? Detroiters are they are incredibly resilient. Um, mm. They have been through a lot. They have been through many ups and downs. Um, they're loyal. Uh, Detroiters are very loyal. And, you know, they love their city. They love their city. There is so much pride in Detroit. Uh, there's so much pride in um, talking about Detroit and sharing it with others. And and I think that's that's contagious. You know, I think yeah. as, as a new Detroiter, I think when you meet um, you know, these true Detroiters, people that have lived here a long time, um, you pick that up from them. You pick up that, um, you know, that resiliency and um, just sort of that being, re- they're loyal, very loyal people to not only to Detroit, but to the community and to each mm-hmm. other. And I think that has really, um, that's really stood out to both of us since we've, really? since we've moved here. Yeah. Yes, Absolutely. Yeah, that's my impression I've got from a lot of people, really. And it's hard to gauge from three and a half thousand miles away whether that's a, a uniquely Detroit thing or whether that's common else, elsewhere. But it's certainly my experience of talking to people is that there is a real pride in it and a real, despite the struggles that they've had. And um, there, there sounds like there's a great deal to be proud of. It sounds like an amazing city. How would you, I mean, obviously it's been, as we said, it's been incredibly hard hit by um, COVID-19. I think at last I saw it was about the third hardest hit in the States. I think it was New York, New Orleans, and, and possibly, yes. I think, Detroit. Absolutely. Um, where would where would you hope that Detroit goes after this, whenever after is? Because none of us know, do we? Is it, you know, it, it seems to be a bit of an open-ended thing. I mean, what, I mean, it's a big, bit of a big question. Maybe it's a bit unfair, but what would you like to, if anything good comes out of this? I, you know, I would, I would hope that this experience um, that we're all going through together, um, really, it shines a light, I think, on what we need to work on in Detroit. Um, Because I think there, and I think for Detroit, that that has existed for a while. I think that there have been um, really glaring issues that have needed to be addressed in Detroit. and somehow we don't ever seem to make much progress on them. But I think that right now, seeing how this virus has affected our community from, from losing people that we care about to um, losing businesses um, potentially that we, that we love, um, new businesses even, um, I think... I think that makes us more determined. And I think that's, you know, Detroiters are very determined. And so I I give them a lot of credit for that. But I really hope that this allows us to come together and really 
make positive change in the areas that we know um, are, are not right, such as um, our, our schools and, you know, access to um, water, <laughs> clean water, running water in homes, um, access to internet for our students, um, access to technology for our students. Um, I mean, we need to plan for a strong future. And how can we do that if we're not giving the best care possible to our kids? And so I hope that this really shines um, an even greater spotlight on the things that we really need to address that, that are most important and, and not only shines a spotlight on them, but gets us in there and gets us actually making positive change. And so that's, that, that is my greatest hope for, for Detroit um, because I know that Detroit um, will be back. You know, I know that it will because Detroit has proved it before. Um, it's it's a it's a strong city, and like I said, Detroiters are resilient and loyal and and passionate. And so I I believe that that we will come back stronger than ever. But I really hope we focus a hundred percent on Detroiters and, yeah. and how we influence the lives of the neighborhoods and uh, the the communities. Um, and make sure that we're putting our focus on them. Mm. And how do you see, within all of that, uh, what do you see Food Rescue Detroit's role in particular? Do you see it carrying on in the same way, developing, expanding? Or you've got, I don't know what the projects are you're involved with. In. <laughs> well, um, I, I definitely hope that we keep expanding. I, I yeah. think that our model of food recovery is appropriate for Detroit, you know, mm. because we are um, able to be um, nimble and agile and, and, and we can adapt easily and um, change course however we need to, to be um, the most effective in our community. And I think our model of getting um, food out to social service agencies via our volunteer food rescuers in their own vehicles allows us to sort of just, um, infuse all these areas with fresh, healthy, quality food. And so I hope that we get the opportunity to keep doing that and to cover more neighborhoods and connect with more neighborhoods and get the food out to them. Because I do feel like that has been very impactful in the neighborhoods that we are, have started working in. And I, I hope that we get to continue doing that. That is my plan. That's fantastic. And is there anything that the listeners could do? I mean, some of them may be in Detroit, but some of them may be elsewhere. Is there anything that they can do in particular to support you, even if they're not in Detroit? Well, even if they're not in Detroit, if they, I mean, if they want to, they can certainly always follow us on social media and support us that way. That's always incredible. Um, Food Rescue US Detroit, that's how we are um, on uh, Instagram and Facebook. Um, but they can donate to us via Food Rescue US. And if they want it to come specifically to us here in Detroit, there's a, a way for them to uh, to notate that in their donation. Um, that always helps us to continue doing what we do. Um, and, you know, if they are here in Detroit, they can sign up to be a volunteer food rescuer. Um, or if they are a business or they work for a business that may have excess food, um, then they can sign up and encourage um, their the business that they work for to sign up as a food donor. So, it, so I was planning a, a trip to Detroit in late June, but it looks like it might be 2021 now, hopefully. So if I came to Detroit, could I be a volunteer for a day? Absolutely. Or so? Absolutely. Oh, yes. You will. You would then be my number one volunteer. <laughs> <laughs> I may regret this. Who knows? But just before we wrap up, and it's been wonderful, though. You've been so generous and honest with your time. But a couple of things uh, just to, to wrap up. The first would be, I mean, obviously, we talked about some of this can be really hard work. Uh, what keeps you going? What What do you do to recharge your batteries, sustain yourself? I think just giving myself um, space to um, for self care. Um, you know, of course, I believe in eating healthy and taking good care of myself. Finding finding time to even right now get out and 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 go for a walk um, and uh, or doing a, an online um, exercise or yoga class. Um, I, I do infrared sauna. I have a little portable sauna here at home. So I do a lot of things to keep myself healthy and safe 
because, um, you know, we are out there and interacting, even though we're wearing masks and gloves while we're out delivering food right now. Um, I still, you know, make sure I'm, I'm taking my supplements and, and keeping myself, uh, <laughs> healthy and, and, um, able to keep going. And so, but I think just, um, reading and, um, you know, giving myself some downtime to, um, you know, to, to do some exercise or walking and, and catching up with friends, making time for, you know, FaceTime calls with people that we don't usually make time for enough time for in our lives. I think right now is a, a great opportunity for us all to revisit that and, um, you know, pick up the phone and call a friend and, and hear someone's voice we haven't heard in a while. I think that's, that's a great way to recharge your batteries. So that, so you keep yourself nourished so that you've got plenty of energy for all the work you do and by the way for the listeners I don't know if I'll be able to edit this out but underneath where I'm sat I'm in a, a the kitchen in our house is a big open plan kitchen and Toffee my chocolate lab, chocolate Labrador is under sleep under the table but she's dreaming um, and she's making these funny little noises so if you hear this odd <laughs> little noise it's Toffee having some sort of she's probably due to eat soon so she's <laughs> dog dreams about food of so food exactly I'll, what I'll do is I'll, I shall put a picture of her on the website and things like that so please but, do and so and finally though so obviously you've become a bit of a you know you're a bit of a Detroiter now and you're a bit of an old hand yourself in terms of having gone from <laughs> the old tired magazines and things so someone comes over to Detroit and, and you're on some time off where would you take them in and around the city of Detroit oh my gosh uh well I would you know I would probably in- get them out on a bicycle. Um, Detroit has a great bike culture. Um, there's, there's a lot of bicycling groups, um, and, you know, we're putting in a lot more bike lanes. So I would get them out on a bike because I think that's one of the greatest ways to explore the city. Um, I would definitely go by the Detroit Institute of Art. Um, the Museum of Contemporary Art is also fantastic. Um, the Oleami Dabbles, um, uh, museum is incredible as well. Um, even the Detroit public library, the main location right on Woodward is incredible. I mean, if it, it's, it's a library, um, that is, is, is steeped in history, but it's gorgeous. And mm-hmm. I would absolutely take people there. The Detroit historical society, um, just across the street from them, um, is incredible because they, um, they're the ones preserving the history of, of Detroit for us and sharing these stories. So, uh, I love the work that they do there. And I think the great way to learn about Detroit is through its history. And then I would get out on the streets and talk to people. Um, there's some fantastic restaurants, um, you know, um, head down to the riverfront, walk along the riverfront, wave to Canada. Um, you know, these are just some of the things that, that I, that's, I mean, gosh, I could go on forever. Um, it would be hard to, um, I would tell someone to come for, for a few days because there's so many amazing mm. things uh, in Detroit to enjoy and people to meet because you got to meet Detroiters and hear their stories. I mean, that's fantastic. And you make it, I mean, I'm hoping to get there and it will need visitors when it gets back on its feet, like lots of places and things. Absolutely. So, so I just really want to thank you um, so much for your time today. It's been a, it's been a wonderful insight into to your transition in your life, your world, and quite a major change in what you do into the wonderful work that Food Rescue Detroit does and Food Rescue USA. And also in terms of just some of the struggles of Detroit, but also the real strengths of its people and its city. And it's been a real joy and I'm really grateful. And what I should say to the listeners is that the show notes will have some more stuff about the um, food rescue, about Dara. Um, I'm trying to make them a bit more like a blog post as opposed to just sort of timings, etc. cetera. Um, and so pe- people can check check that out there on my, the podcast uh, on the website detroitfromacrossthepond.com. So Dara, thank you so much. Um, so what thank I Thank you for having me. It's been great. It's been such a joy. Well, thank you so much for listening. I have had quite a lot of contact with uh, Dara since that recording. And uh, one of the things I I think um, on listening to it and editing it is just hearing, I think there's a smile in her voice. And so I think that the passion she has for the her project just shines through to me. I mean, it's just fantastic. So if you liked this show, um, you can find the show notes uh, about Dora, about Food Rescue Detroit, but also Food Rescue USA. They are all on my uh, website, DetroitFromAcrossThePond.com. You'll also find um, a linked well-being blog, um, and there's already a number of articles on there. And you will have noticed that I asked Dara 
and ask future guests just about what keeps them going, because I think that's really important when you have a passion project, when you're in something demanding. Sometimes we see all the the great stuff that's going on, but boy, it can be tough at times. So um, I think well-being is a really important part of who uh, we are and how we sustain ourselves and also equally about how we grow as um, as people emotionally physically spiritually uh, and in so many different ways if you like this podcast as well it would be wonderful as if you could review this on um, apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcast it really does make a difference and also perhaps um, tell a friend about it um, uh, share it on social media i would really really appreciate it because i have to say it still strikes me as been totally weird to be recording a, a show about somewhere that three and a half thousand miles away that I haven't even been to although I was planning to go in June or later this month um, but obviously the global pa- pandemic put pay to that so thank you so so much for listening and I really wish you a very special and happy day thank you so much 